Hey there, welcome to Takeaway with Sam Okus, a podcast from Nation's Restaurant News. I'm Sam Okus, Editor-in-Chief at Nation's Restaurant News, and I am glad that you can join us for this show where I give you an all-access pass to the restaurant industry's most influential decision makers. This week, I am talking with John Capasola. He is the CEO of Del Taco, the 600-unit California-based concept that quickly rebounded its sales in 2020 after the initial COVID dip, and it continued to ramp up innovation, which has recently included a new loyalty program called Del Yeah rewards. Before I jump into that conversation with John, though, I do want to first tell you about a few other ways you can engage with NRN, our content, and our team. First up, remember to subscribe to NRN's other podcast, Extra Serving, where our editors discuss hot-button issues of the day and where we share interviews with folks from all across the restaurant industry. That includes this week's episode with Chef Kirk Biondi. He is the Director of Menu Development at Huddle House, and he joins our very own Brett Thorne for a conversation on culinary innovation at that family dining chain. You don't want to miss it. Go subscribe to Extra Serving. Also, we've got some brand spanking new reports to share with you at nrn.com, and you do not want to miss these. This week, we're announcing our 2021 Hot Concepts winners, five brands with 20 locations or less that we think have this incredible potential to become the industry's next big thing. Keep your eyes on nrn.com this week for when that drops. Plus, last week, we rolled out our inaugural Creators Awards. We recognized six industry winners who have best embodied the spirit of innovation in the past year. You can check out those winners at nrn.com, or you can come meet them in person at Create, the future of food service. That's right, our first ever in-person Create event is happening in just two weeks in Denver. Uh, It's happening October 4th through 6th, and we're going to be bringing together some of the most interesting and innovative minds in the restaurant space to share their perspectives on what a post-pandemic restaurant industry can look like. That includes executives and founders from some of the most exciting emerging concepts, but also some of the most impressive global chains. Also includes a session with our creators winners, and they will share with us their secrets to successful innovation and how they're carrying that spirit into the future. We're also going to be coming to you live from the floor. We're going to be broadcasting takeaway and extra serving directly from Denver, featuring many of our speakers, but also some very special guests, possibly even you. Visit informaconnect.com create for more information and to register. Again, that's informaconnect.com create. You can get more information there and also register. Jumping now into this interview with Del Taco CEO, John Capasola. Don't forget to stick around after the interview as I will share my five takeaways from this discussion, actionable insights that you can take with you on the go. John, thank you so much for joining today to talk about Del Taco, certainly to talk about all of the evolution of the brand in the past year and a half, but to talk especially about this future of this brand and how you guys have really uh, changed the trajectory of the brand, I guess, because of COVID. Um, John, just to start, could you tell me just gauging where Del Taco is at in the recovery process, as I think so much of the industry now is recovering from the worst of the pandemic. Tell me where you guys stand with that. Sure. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for having me on, Sam. Appreciate it. Um, you know, last year it was interesting. I think it was out off of our Q2 earnings call. I, I said that we were feeling like the business had had been stabilized. And, and when I said that, and it was probably summer summertime last year, 2020, I said that based on just fundamentally what we were seeing, which was Sales had come back to you know more normalized levels. We were actually in Q3 um, in Q4 of 2020. We saw you know same store sales being positive both on the company and the franchise side. Um, so so we had felt like we had gotten through you know the thick of it. We were still managing it, obviously you know um, especially at the restaurant level and and managing it at the trade area level and the market level but but clearly felt good about the business being somewhat stable sales growing in Q3 and Q4 and that's kind of now fast forward we've had a great front half of 2021 you know i think about Q1 and Q2 21 you know sales have been good um, guest overall satisfaction scores have been good we've been made it managing through this the staffing and the labor 
you know, crisis here the last, you know, the last few months really well as a business. So I, I feel good about where we sit today and, and our ability to continue to innovate and, and drive the brand. Yeah, we can get into talking about some of the uncertainty of the future. I know everybody's kind of dealing with a lot of sort of new regulations popping up related to vaccines and stuff like that. We can get into that for in, in a little bit. But I, I think just broadly, I'm curious to hear from you, having been through Certainly, I think we can all agree that what the entire industry went through in 2020, specifically Q2 of 2020, was was the worst of what we will go through no matter what because of the whiplash and because nobody knew what to do with this new situation. And regardless of where we're at in the, in the pandemic now, I think we all at least have a sense of what to do. Um, but I'm just curious, based on everything that you went through as a brand, what were some of the biggest lessons that Del Taco pulls from it to adapt to the business, but then you yourself can maybe pull from it in your leadership? Yeah, sure. I, I, number one, you just use the word. I, I think adaptability is, is critical. And listen, we, we've always been a bit of a challenger brand over here at Del Taco. I mean, we're smaller. We try harder brand. We're competing with the biggest brands on the planet, right? And, and um so, so that's always been a bit of that, that chip on the shoulder that we have here at Del Taco, a lot of pride in our culture um, that, that's very leverageable. But, you know, so although we were very nimble to begin with, um, when you think about adaptability in an environment where you're having to make really important decisions every single day and decisions need to be made in a matter of minutes or hours, it's very different than what we, you know, what we were all faced with pre-pandemic. And so, you know, I think that piece around adaptability, I take it one step further. And how we talk about it is, how do you ingrain that or embed that into the culture, the systems and the structure so so that it's not so disruptive? Because, because the last thing you want to do is just be sitting around and waiting to react to everything that comes your way in, in, in the time of crisis or the pandemic or, you know, situations that arise. So I'm thinking about everything you can to make your your culture, your systems, your structure, um, more adaptable, more nimble, um, less disruptive. You think about your communication strategies, what's in play, what should be in play, what shouldn't be in play, how are you leveraging technology? How do you think about making decisions in quick timeframes? Those are all frameworks you can develop whether you're you know, in the middle of a crisis or not. And, and, and so I think that adaptability piece taken to the next level, which is, okay, now make that more systematic in the brand, I think that that's a that's a really big learning um, for 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 us as a, as a business and, and for me as a leader, you know. And then and then the other the other piece I think on the leadership, the second part of your question, you know, on the leadership side, I'm sure Sam, you're hearing from other other leaders and folks in businesses about this is you know the importance of having that set of guiding principles when you're in a time of crisis that you can really lean into to help you make good quality decisions that are long-term focused and, um, you know, good for the people of the brand, you know, the brand itself, you know, the growth of the brand, the franchisees. So for us, you know, I'd say before the pandemic, we really embraced culture and we really embraced, um, you know, our core values, but, but man, during the pandemic, we, we, we took those to new levels. I mean, our, our first core value is being people-driven and we've got a lot of, you know, we contextualize that quite a bit in the business and how we think about that and bring that to life. But how important was that to lean into that and realize, okay, that the, that that being our first core value, we need to be thinking about that in regards to our employees from day one. And um, because if our employees are feeling taken care of and secure, we can do our best in that area, then they'll do the best that they can to make sure our guests are feeling good and, and feeling secure. So you know, we put ourselves out there and did some things in the very early days, like guaranteeing bonuses for general managers in the in, in Q2 of 2020, when we knew, hey, the results are not going to be there. We're in a position in the early weeks of, of managing liquidity, but we knew that this people piece and keeping the business moving in a great direction was so critically important. So that that ability to lean into a set of guiding principles, for us, it was our core values to help our leadership team and our franchise owners make good decisions was that, that was pretty important along the way for us. Yeah, it's so interesting. I mean, there's no playbook for what everybody has gone through in the last year and a half. And, and so I've been really fascinated because I feel like, you know, I hear from a lot of brands about core values and culture and they, they use these words, but it, I, this was, COVID was really a, uh, a, 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 an example of 
who is actually putting their money where their mouth is. I mean, you could really start to tell who put this into practice and who it was just all talk because some brands just sort of withered on the vine when they met, were met with these challenges and some brands really rose to the challenge. Um, you were talking about sort of systemizing some of this stuff. And I'm curious, you know, with some distance between that worst of the pandemic, having been through so much of this, you know, I, I've talked to a lot of people about this idea that it's like, we, we are, we're very enmeshed in COVID life as routine and that like the changes that came about, we've been with these for so long, that's just normal life at this point, right? So we've, we've, we've come to really kind of, uh, understand and expect, I think, a lot of the things that COVID brought us. And, and with that knowledge now, how can you go into the system and, and, and change it, if at all? I mean, what, what are some of those systemized changes you make in, in, in hindsight now with everything that you know about COVID that you can prepare this brand, whether it's for another crisis or just for, for a, you know, brighter days ahead? Yeah, sure. It's a, it's a great question. And, and honestly, there is a laundry list of things that came out of this from a learnings perspective and how it influenced our day to day and our systems and even structurally how we think about the business today versus maybe a year and a half ago. So um, I could speak for an hour on that alone, but, but let me, let me, let me just pull out some highlights when you think about, you know, making adjustments. I mean, in our category innovation is so critical. So, so that's the good news. It's, it's, you know, there isn't a brand in QSR that's not innovating regularly, whether it be, tech innovation to improve your operations or training or, or tech innovation to improve your relationship with your consumer or drive more sales or new product news. I mean, we are in a constant cycle of getting better and innovating. So, so you know, in the QSR space, because that has been really our cadence, that put us in a pretty good position going into the crisis because we were used to, you know, going through things through stage gate processes and thinking about, you know, op shakedown tests versus market tests and what it took to get something to market very regularly. And having multiple tests happening at one time was not uncommon here at Del Taco. We were always trying to stay ahead of the curve to the best of our ability through our testing protocols and process. Um, so, so that put us in a great position, but then thinking a level deeper, which is some of these things we need to move just much quicker on and, and breaking down what an operational shakedown process looks like to get you to a quick answer in, in maybe hours or days versus weeks and months. There, there's distinctions that need to get made. That, that absolutely helped us because we were, we were shaking down a lot of these um, on-the-fly changes that we felt like needed to be made, but it was happening within a day or two in a very small subset of restaurants so our very talented operations support team could get their you know, get a handle on it before they talk to our operators and our franchisees about it. Um, so, so those sorts of nuances when you realize, okay, I, I just have to move quickly in certain areas. I want to make sure I understand it to the best of my ability, but I don't have, I don't have the kind of time that, that I once had, but I still want to do it well. So, so making those types of adjustments has, have helped us. I think the virtual environment working as a support center in a virtual environment has created Actually, it, it's limited bureaucracy for us, and and you know I think the 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 meetings and the decision making are a lot flatter organizationally than than maybe the layers we had before, because again that time to market piece has become really important. So I think we're better at making strategic decisions quicker that are um, of a quality fashion than we were before because of all that. So we carry all of that forward, and we want to continue to really operate efficiently and and behave efficiently so you know we we can get good quality programs to market as quick as possible yeah talking about that spirit of innovation and thinking specifically about your category i mean when you think about the mexican category let's talk about taco bell and chipotle and what they have done over the last year and a half of course taco bell has been um unveiling these new prototypes you know different kind of throughput and multiple drive-through lanes um, Chipotle introduced drive-through, you know, really leaned into the digital occasion. Um, how can Del Taco really keep up with those two brands in that spirit of innovation? I know you've done a lot in the front of digital. So, so what are those tools that you have to come out and say, you know what, we're coming toe to toe with Chipotle and with Taco Bell to show that we are just as innovative. Sure. I mean, well, we've made we've made similar moves, you know, here at Del Taco, and really have, have put a lot of time and effort, you know, during the pandemic. We didn't we didn't just uh, you know sit back and manage the crisis. I mean, we were we were managing the crisis. We were 
putting strong plans on par in parallel path together for um, both um, brand recovery or business recovery, as well as brand acceleration, so that we could really pivot out of this nicely and, and, and recognize our opportunities. I think that came together really well for us with the positive sales in Q3 and Q4 of 2020. And obviously, uh, you know, fin finished off with franchise being up for its eighth consecutive year in 2020 on a same store sales basis. So felt great about our ability to manage both crisis, but also think about innovation and brand acceleration as we move forward. And I think, you know, the two areas that we put some longer term thinking into and investment into during the pandemic were te technology and growth and, and technology from a perspective of we had been investing in and developing our digital transformation strategy for the last few years uh, moving into the pandemic, which served us really well, obviously, as you, as you heard from those other brands, you know, the, the, the pivot by the consumer to using tech to um, access brands safely it was a, it was a pervasive trend. So we were there, we were ready with, you know, our drive-through model, you know, our tech being in place with the app. And we were also ready from a standpoint of fully integrated delivery at the POS. So, so we checked all those boxes, put us in a great position to accelerate those sales back half 2020, but the, then thinking about kind of middle part of the year as things were stabilizing, okay, where do we go next? And, and we identified on the tech side that CRM and loyalty was the next progression. We wanted to build this consumer database, have the ultimate access available to our guests via, via our Del Taco 3.0 app, which we're about to launch in September with new features and functions um, and some learnings from the pandemic, but also that ability to uh, provide them loyalty and, and give them rewards you know, for um, being loyal customers. So, so all of that infrastructure has gotten put into place over the last year and that investment we're actually about to launch the Delia Rewards Program in September. So feel really good about that. And then, you know, on the growth side, you know, we recognize the same things a lot of other brands recognize, which was, you know, we took a step back very quickly early days of the pandemic and, and said, okay, um, growth might look a lot different coming out of this. And how do we put ourselves in a position to really hockey stick out um, and scale Del Taco? Because we have this brand that's got the ultimate convenience strategy, We've got the ability to kind of navigate things like a pandemic through um, a diversified service mode set. We've got the tech piece coming together. Now let's integrate that tech to our prototype and let's think about the real estate type of opportunities that could be available to us, you know, in this new normal. Um, and they may be very different than what we were dealing with prior to the pandemic. So we developed a prototype called Fresh Flex and we launched it in January of this year. Um, and it's created a lot of buzz and excitement around, around the category for us and and um, it addresses two key pieces. One is, you know, maybe the size of the prototype doesn't matter quite as much anymore as, you know, having the right prototype for the right trade area at the right time. So we've got everything from a drive-through only prototype with all kinds of tech integration, double drive-through, the ability to order ahead, park and get it, you know, from stalls in the parking lot, um, you know, that runs around a thousand square feet or so, all the way up to our standard prototype build out with a drive-through. Um, dining room, and, and that's around 2,300 square foot, and then everything in between. So that gives us the opportunity to think about our real estate strategy and our franchisees to think about it more entrepreneurially, you know, in, in regards to how do I access a trade area or a market. So we're really excited about both those fronts, both tech and, and growth and how FreshFlex comes together moving forward. We think we put the brand in a pretty good position um, on, on, uh, on growth moving, you know, moving beyond this pandemic and longer term. I love the idea of that flexibility in the prototype because I'm sure in California you probably really struggle to find some you know real estate to that you have many options with. I mean, there's the various regulations, the fact that California is so built out already. But I understand. I mean, you guys are you guys are pushing east. I know you're developing in the Midwest. Um, there, you're going to have a lot more options when it comes to real estate. And so I love that option of of keeping flexible with what franchisees can do as they look to expand. Um, I, I'm curious, you know, you've been doing this a long time. I mean, there was there was a um, sort of a reactionary period in the pandemic when these prototypes were coming out like really fancy kind of kind of off the wall things. I, I'm curious yeah. from your point of view, you know, how, how do you commit to something like a prototype for the future? Because everything's changing so fast right now. And so how, how do you commit to a new prototype knowing that three years from now, everything could be different? But and, and how, how does this kind of flexible nature of the Fresh Flex prototype really kind of meet that? 
Yeah, sure. You know, I think one is the prototype represents the brand. So if you're entering a new market or, or even if you're remodeling in an existing market, the look, the feel, the aesthetic, you want it to be differentiated. You want it to, to, to be appealing to guests where they want to pull up and drive through or come into the dining room or, or order from the brand. So um, we had been working on really what that next gen aesthetic was going to look like, kind of the, the, the look and the feel of the brand, taking our QSR plus positioning to the next level through that look and feel. So we feel very, we felt very comfortable, um, you know, as we were, you know, as we had developed that really pre-pandemic and we're about to go into, you know, consumer research and things like that with that aesthetic, the pivot was really on, okay, let's put ourselves in the best position possible now, thinking about all of those different potentials that could happen during or post-pandemic or whatever the new normal might look like. And, and I think as you're thinking about building a prototype, what you want to do is give yourself flexibility. So you want to have the option that if the tra- trade area warrants it, I want to have the option to go to a drive-through only model. If that's if it maybe it's if it's an infill site or in a core market, or it's a, a trade area we really want to get into, but maybe we can't penetrate because we don't have the parcel size available to us from a real estate perspective. I want to have that option so I can at least consider it. Um, I want to have the option to think about a double drive-through in certain situations that warrant that. And, um, you know, that that's what a prototype, that's how you should think about your prototype is it it's a kit apart. So every single prototype is going to have a similar aesthetic, similar look and feel to the brand, but the trade area or the market might be the thing that really drives which features and functions you add to that prototype, right? And what makes the most sense for that trade area. And that's really where some of the fun begins. And you got to have the data behind you, the consumer insights behind you, and the team's got to be really engaged as we think through that. So, you know, we called it Fresh Flex. Fresh was all about our positioning. It was all about, hey, we are a QSR plus brand. We offer more for the money on the quality of food side with very similar value to some of these big fast food drive-through brands. So we're really proud of our positioning it's all about fresh and value. And then the other side, the flex was exactly that. It was, we want a bunch of optionality when we build our prototypes. And we want our franchisees to have that same optionality to be able to be entrepreneurial and to really, um, you know, kind of have that flexibility that you need now to move forward. So that was the design around it. And I think if you think that way, you put yourself in a great position. You never want to box yourself in. You want to, you want to always be in a position to be flexible and give yourself options. Yeah, talking about that optionality, um, that's that's also become you know the the mindset for service these days, right? And so omni-channel being very much the mindset of the post-pandemic era that you have to have you have to meet the consumer where they want to engage with your brand, whether that's delivery, whether that's drive-through, takeout, etc. Uh, but I, for Del Taco, what what does that look like in terms of as you enhance these digital tools? How are you crafting this consumer experience and how they can come experience Del Taco? And how can you make sure that that doesn't get too complicated? I mean, we're still talking about, you know, the QSR space. I mean, this is something where the most universal industry there is. And it doesn't matter, you know, whether you're, you're affluent, whether you're blue collar, this is the universal industry. And so you're, you're meeting all of those needs, which seems kind of daunting, but I guess it's a long way of asking, how do you, how do you create that omni-channel strategy and this fresh flex prototype particular with these digital tools without it getting super complicated? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a great question. I think you always need to start with the consumer insight. And, you know, for us, when you think about the process that we use, you think about consumer, you know, um, cons- commercial and operations, right? So th- th- those three areas are really important as you're developing any anything. But the consumer piece is, is the, the thing that's going to drive the brand. It's what's going to drive your sales and drive your profitability and, and get folks excited about Del Taco. So um, as long as you're navigating that consumer piece properly, and for us, it was recognizing that the consumer wanted access to brands um, in, in, in a number of different ways, right? We saw delivery grow exponentially during the pandemic. We saw drive-through grow exponentially during the pandemic. So, so we saw this off-premise need state that was very clear that consumers were voting that, hey, I want to be able to go through that drive-thru and take that food home or order through delivery as a matter of convenience and have it delivered to my door so I don't have to drive to the restaurant. Um, And I want some other things maybe as I return to work, like um, order ahead type features so I can get ahead a little bit and order and maybe pick it up through the drive-thru or just pick it up curbside or even just walk in and carry it out. 
so those types of diversified need states all drive towards access and convenience for the consumer, which is, by the way, what quick service restaurants are all about. It's convenience is a pretty, um, you know, it's, it's, this is not a paradigm shift. This is something that is absolutely just embedded in what we do as quick service restaurants. So you want to give guests that access the way that they want it, but in a way that the brand can deliver it well. So, so I think what you need to step back on is, do I have the tech in place that makes it seamless and, and, and fully integrated for the consumer? So they're not going to get frustrated. Is it a simple one, two, three step for them to order so that it's not, I'm not going through all kinds of different pages and thinking about Jesus menu is really complicated. How do I make those algorithms quick and easy? Maybe use some AI to help that, you know, maybe use some of their behavioral dynamics once you build your CRM platform. So, you know, kind of, you know, Sam likes to order certain things. So let's just put that, put his previous orders out there, or let's make it easier for Sam to make those decisions quickly so that he doesn't get frustrated. Those are the types of things I think you need to think about. Um, and then on the operations side, do you have the tools in place, the process, the simplification in place to do well in those areas? Your team has to be able to execute it well, or you know, just because the guest wants it doesn't mean that they will come back for it if the execution is poor, right? So um, evaluating your operations in all of those areas to deliver on those need states around convenience and access, I think are uh, really important components. And then the last piece is just branding it. Who do, who do you want to be and what do you want to be as a brand? And and what do you, what's that message to that consumer that you can deliver through your brand promise? And we, we've spent a lot of time thinking about that, um, that, you know, there's, it's one thing to what we call elevate the brand promise, which is what we try to do every day at Del Taco. It's another thing to deliver that experience to the guests so that it's, so it's lined up. So um, making sure you've got a good approach and a good strategy to be able to line those things up and don't, you know, don't do things that put your operations at risk or put your people within your operations at risk of serving great guest experience. And if you run into those things, you've got to have the courage to be able to say no and or just say, okay, go back to the drawing board and sort that out before we launch. You talk about that idea of branding and, you know, going back to the beginning of this conversation, when you were talking about core values and culture, um, you know, of course, you want to communicate those things through your branding as well. And in this very hyper digital world, I'm very curious as to how brands successfully do that with these digital tools, because so much of what you know, the QSR industry brings, I mean, it's hospitality. And you know, this is a hospitality industry is very, you know, human to human interaction. It's very personable. And don't get me wrong. I love these new digital tools and I am ordering all of my food on my apps these days. But, you know, there is still that element of hospitality. I, I, I'm sure you want to hold on to because I'm, I'm sure that's really a part of those core values at Del Taco. So what's the in, what's the intersection of this really hyper digital world where we're moving forward in and hospitality? How do you how do you bring those two things together at Del Taco? Yeah, no, it, it, that, that that's a great question to ponder. And I think all brands should really think about that relative to the types of service modes that they offer. And it can be it can be a little different in QSR because I think you got to take what you can get in regards to the hospitality piece. If folks are coming through the drive-through, you want to look at that experience and say, okay, how do I make that a great experience for those guests coming through the drive-through? I've only got a moment with them at the window and they want that to be a fast moment. They don't want you to sit there for three, four or five minutes. They want to kind of transact, get the food and, and be on their way. But but how can you integrate some, some, some things that you know, maybe um, cause that experience to, to be good for the guest outside of just order accuracy and, and, and getting that order right. So, you know, maybe it's the greeting or maybe it's the, the way that you interact with them or the last thing you say to them as they leave. So having that hospitality mindset um, is really important. On things like delivery, it's, it's a little bit tougher uh, maybe, but, but that brand experience through the app and how you make that you know, really easy to navigate for the customer. That's a form of hospitality. That's a form of you're making it easier for me to get to what I want from you. And I appreciate that. And then the other piece is making sure you get it to me right. And are you measuring things like overall satisfaction scores through delivery orders versus drive-through versus dining room versus your carryout? If you're not, you probably should be. We, we do that. And we think about it even by day part. So it helps us to identify, okay, where are we where is the guest telling us that we are doing well and let's continue to do that. Let's share those best practices. And maybe where is the guest telling us that, Hey, Hey, the overall satisfaction isn't quite up to speed. So if you see overall satisfaction at lunch 
on a top box basis at, you know, 75 or 80% and you're feeling really good at your, about yourself through the drive-through. And then you look at delivery at lunch and um, maybe your overall satisfaction is a 70. I think you got to ask the question, well, why is there a gap there? So you might still think a 70 is good, but it's, if it's 10 points lower or five points lower than your four walls, maybe you should talk about that and think about that and do some more um, digging on that because that is hospitality through that service mode is, is how that guest feels about, you know, the brand and the satisfaction they have with the brand. That's going to cause them to want to come back or not potentially. And, and in, a, in, a, in a category like QSR, it's all about frequency. These guests are in and out of this category every day. So they're always making decisions between brands each and every day. So you can boost frequency through service and hospitality and having that right, those access points being easy as easy as possible to use. So um, that's what we tend to stay focused on. So much data here at play. You, you can learn yeah. so much from data. And I, this obviously brings us back to the loyalty program, which by the way, Dell, yeah, phenomenal name. Well done. I don't know uh, how many hours of brainstorming it took to come upon that. Maybe it was only five minutes, but that's it's it's great. Um, what is it like to build a, a loyalty program from scratch these days in this digital era? And tell me about that data. What What is possible with this loyalty program in terms of what Del Taco can do going forward? Yeah, I know. It's really exciting. I, I mean, we laid out a roadmap with digital trans, our digital transformation strategy probably three or four years ago. And at the very end of the roadmap was this opportunity to move to CRM or one-to-one marketing, build a, build a database of, of consume, you know, with, with bought-in consumers that could lead to loyalty. And we're finally, you know, we're finally there and we're, we're weeks away now from the launch of Delia Rewards and um, our new app and, and the loyalty program and, and really starting that journey. So, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's been an interesting journey. It, you know, we started with the app and we started with offers and the basics, just fundamental basics that we were typically doing anyway. Maybe we were doing offers through FSIs or through, you know, um, email blasts and things of that nature. And we turned it into the app and we, you know, we turned those things into the app, gave folks more reasons to join the app program at Del Taco over the last few years and seen a lot of success with that and a lot of a lot of good, you know, growth in that in that channel for the brand, um, but but over the last year, really started early part of the pandemic, you know, with bringing on a VP of marketing technology, starting to really build out the infrastructure and the framework for CRM and loyalty, bringing on the right vendors, um, and and by the way, doing all of this virtually, you know, over the last year, uh, you know, you got to have great leadership and. We've got, you know, our, our CMO, Tim, and, and um, our VP of marketing tech, Aaron, just outstanding leaders and really well, um, you know, thought of in the space in both restaurants and hospitality, as well as marketing and, and, and bringing the right people to the table to help us build this out. It is a, a day-to-day cross-functional effort. We've got everyone in our business bought into it from our franchisees to our cross-functional teams, you know, IT and operations and um, you know, things that they have to do to be able to support a launch like this. So there's a lot of moving pieces, a lot of moving parts. It's no different than any really hairy cross-functional, you know, um, effort. You're going to have a lot of people involved. Project management skills have to be at a very high level. Ability to make decisions, you know, have to be there and, and built in and ingrained into your, into your culture. So I feel really good about all that, that we've gotten to a place um, that um, we're about to launch. But yeah, the program name, Del Yeah Rewards, I think, it was a natural fit for us. Yeah, they probably did a bit of research. I know they did. I'm, I'm just kidding if Aaron's watching this. Um, but I think you're right, Sam. I think it was one of those things that you could probably come to the name in about five minutes. And thankfully, uh, you know, I think guests felt the same way. So it's going to be an exciting time for us. And, and, and we're definitely looking at it from a standpoint of let's build this database up. Let's build our capability in regards to CRM and, and segmentation and, and targeted offers and and um, that all won't happen on day one. It'll be a bit of a journey, but we certainly have that infrastructure in place and the team in place to be able to do it. So we're really excited about it. Well, all, all comes back to that idea of branding and Delia. Yeah, so so perfectly emblematic of that Del Taco spirit, I know. But um, you know, I want to I want to touch too on on innovation as it relates to the menu because you guys have continued sure. to innovate on the menu and specifically with breakfast, which I, I find in reflection on you know all of the kind of wild ideas we had about how the pandemic would change our lives last year. You know, I think a, there were a lot of predictions about the breakfast category in particular really suffering and really struggling because you know the commute people stopped millions of people 
stop commuting to work every day. And that's really been proven wrong. I mean, I, you know, the, the morning category has has done just fine. Um, and you guys really chose to to go all in here in developing the breakfast menu. Um, what was behind the decision for that in particular, but how much do you want to lean into menu innovation to separate Del Taco specifically from, you know, from the, the category and from your competitors? Yeah. You know, menu innovation is, is a critical part of our marketing strategy. We, we, you know, when you think about, um, bringing new ideas to the table and getting ahead of the curve on, on, on innovation in regards to the menu, we've, you've seen us and you, re, you referenced it, you've seen us consistently do that. And, you know, for a brand our size to do that, you know, in an accelerated fashion, I mean, we've, we've put some great structure in place around consumer insights, around our test kitchen, you know, around how we move through our stage gate process to be able to do that well at Del Taco, um, you know, and, and you've seen us get ahead of the curve. We were one of the first to launch, you know, uh, ground turkey and tacos back in 2014. And, you know, we, we brought Beyond Meat to the menu um, in the form of tacos. And we we did that a couple of years ago, actually. I mean, we were ahead of the curve on that. We we brought a crispy chicken menu to bear during the pandemic. Um, so, you know, our, our basic mantra on this was, hey, our, our, our real kitchens in our restaurants were not closed down. And so our test kitchen should not be closed down. And we put the same safety protocols in place in our test kitchen. Team kept innovating. We had a, um, you know, we had a outlined what we called our brand acceleration plan and brand acceleration was all about, as you started to see the business stabilize in 2020, what were the levers we were going to pull to try to hockey stick out and, and really drive sales and menu innovation was one of them. So um, to the team's credit, as, as many of us were focused on crisis management in the early weeks and, and months of the pandemic, we had teams focused on the next, what was next. And that put us in a position as we saw business stabilization occur. We launched fresh guac to the menu, I think in uh, mid-summer last year, 2020. Completely trained that virtually. A couple of months later, we launched the crispy chicken menu, completely trained that virtually. You know, so we leveraged tech, we leveraged innovation. And now this year, you know, one of the things we outlined in our strategy in the very, very early days of the pandemic was we recognized breakfast was going to be a a day part that would likely be under pressure um, because of the you know, lack of the commute to your point. And, and so we, what we said was, well, what do we want to be prepared with when we think breakfast is going to start to come back and the environment normalizes, let's be prepared with some innovation. Let's develop a great program from a menu platform standpoint. And, and um, the breakfast tacos, you know, the, the double G's breakfast tacos were developed and we always know value and convenience kind of rules the day in the morning as you're, you're getting on those commutes and trying to get to work. And so the team developed a really great, you know, breakfast taco platform that starts at a dollar and scales up into the mid dollar range and gives the consumer great variety of proteins and uh, exactly what they, what they need to be on the go. And our feeling was if you were going to have a moment where breakfast was going to really start to materially come back, maybe, maybe a bit of a catalyst, if you will, it felt like the fall of 2021 was it because you know, you had your best shot of the schools coming back, work coming back, you know, a higher level of activity in the morning, perhaps than what we had had before. And, and, and so we decided that was the best timing for this program. But we think breakfast is a great day part. It has been great for us for, for several decades now. And, and even though the pandemic caused it to step back a little bit, I think, I think we're in a position now with, with, with innovation and operations to be able to, you know, move it forward. So we're excited about that as well. All right. So thinking about the opportunity of fall 2021, uh, you know, of course, I think a lot of us finding right now in the midst of the fourth surge of COVID that things aren't quite how we had uh, expected or hoped them to be. Um, so continuing to deal with um, new rounds of regulations around um, vaccinations, around sort of sorting out what what is this phase of the pandemic look like? And that's really affecting companies and retail. Um, but especially this is coming in the midst of a labor crisis for restaurants that is, you know, it's been years and years since it's been this bad with labor not being able to find quality employees. 
so you know so many employees that have already been asked to do so much through the pandemic and so there's just this really perfect storm of just making labor very difficult for restaurants and then you know coming up with a lot of sort of new layers that have to add on top of this in terms of regulations and what have you i'm just curious where you're at in all this what's the strategy for del taco to 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 navigate these labor challenges to ensure that you know the del taco of tomorrow does not have to um, you know, it doesn't have to be negatively influenced by any of this and can, can pull through any of these challenges. Yeah. You know, I, well, I, I think we're, we're, the good news is we're, we're, we're battle tested here over the, over the last year and a half in mm-hmm. regards to, you know, change and, and thinking about, you know, change management. And, and so there's some, some really nice elements that I think all brands that, that have, that have worked their way through the last year and a half have, um, you know, put in play to, to, to be able to navigate, like you said, at the beginning of our, of our conversation more smoothly, you know, and, and that, that, that is exactly where we're at, you know, on, on the labor crisis piece and the staffing issues, you know, the first thing I always like to say on that is our, I mean, our operators and our franchisees are just doing an outstanding job staying focused on our people and managing this situation. I mean, this is a daily focus. You can't, you can't just delegate this to someone. This is something that your people are your most important asset. It's, it's, it's the most important piece of the business to bring the brand experience to life for your guests. And, you know, quite frankly, we wouldn't be where we are today coming out of Q2 with, you know, good sales and, and, and strong guest satisfaction scores if it wasn't for their focus and their belief in driving, you know, that people first culture here at Del Taco. And then, you know, secondly, you know, we've got, we've been very active in just trying to stay ahead of the curve and providing tools and resources and best practices to our operators. Um, you know, uh, we, we look at it in regards to turnover overall and turnover over, over is up slightly, um, but we're still below industry average. So we feel, we feel good about that. Um, we attribute kind of our performance and our stability in that area to um, something that we look at very regularly that I think is a really good tip for those that are kind of thinking about um, this labor crisis, which is what does your core crew look like? These are folks that have five plus years tenure in our restaurants. And, and we see that that team really throughout the pandemic and now during the labor crisis maintains the stability of a restaurant. These are folks that really know how to execute the brand well, love the brand. They've been there for a long time. Um, and we want to treat them really well and we want to manage their turnover levels. And, and luckily we've had very high stability rates at the core crew level at Del Taco. So that's a piece that we want to stay on top of because, because, because even if some of the ancillary team members, you know, that maybe are coming in and out of the business, you know, maybe, maybe we're losing a little bit more of them than, than we would like right now, that core crew can really kind of backstop that. So it's a combination. It's a really holistic strategy of, you know, watching the numbers, thinking about the stores, uh, managing the hotspots. We've got new macro solutions um, like new recruiting tools, digital recruiting tools, things to reduce friction on the hiring process in place now that we didn't have before. And then we've got micro solutions in place for those hotspot stores, those stores that really need a little extra help. Things like average wage increases and, and things like you know reducing hours of operations where need be, but doing it very systematically and using data and kind of you know, key performance indicators around turnover and such and, and staffing levels to help you make those decisions. But well, ultimately, I feel pretty, I feel pretty um, good about the way that we've navigated this thus far and teams just doing an awesome job and staying ahead of it. But it is a, Sam, I mean, this is a, this is something you have to manage daily. I, I mean, I can't reiterate it enough. You, this isn't something you come back to every couple of weeks. This is a daily focus um, and that's what's going to drive your sales. That's what's going to get guests to come back tomorrow are those experiences they have with the brand. Not to put you on the spot here, but what does the industry pull from this season from a labor perspective? Because look, we're heading to $15 minimum wage. Um, you know, that's going to happen. It's happening city by city, state by state, but it's going to get to a point where that's very much a national approach, if, if only to be able to recruit strong employees. Um, you know, having gone through, you know, your your labor, your um, employees needing to be mask police and need to do sanitation, you know, a lot more expectations for labor today than there were before. And then, you know, on top of all this, we're in this age of AI and robotics, and you can automate so much of the industry where does all of this go? What's the labor of the restaurant industry tomorrow as you see it? Well, I think, I think the first piece you gotta, you gotta start with is how do you make folks feel really good about working for the brand and how do you put the pieces and parts in place 
you know, you've got wage as one component of it, obviously, and, and we want to be very competitive and we want to make sure that we're attracting the best talent. But how are you developing that talent? Are you giving them upward mobility? Is your culture designed to provide succession plans very early on in, in an employee's tenure to help them to, to see that, hey, I may have been hired as a cashier, but I see that path to, to general manager, or I see that path to working at the support center or working in a franchise business down the road. That's an important piece of, of getting buy-in and getting employees to be you know, feeling really good about your brand and feeling like they can be successful and build a career at a place like Del Taco. We have a saying called, um, you know, we, we say time spent at Del Taco should be time well spent. So whether you stay for the long run or you go, we want you to look at it as an experience that developed you. We gave you the training tools and the opportunities to, that you needed to be successful. And so I think that cultural piece and that mentality around employee relations and how you think about that is, is, is critically important, as important as wage. You know, you know we, we are beyond, you know, that $15 wage in many restaurants and, and, and we're making it work. We're, we're bringing on good talent. We're, we're, we're driving sales, we're driving profitability, and we're, we're doing the things that need to, you know, need to happen to be a successful restaurant brand moving forward. So I wouldn't get too caught up in that. I would get caught up in how do I bring the right talent into my business? How do I develop that talent and show them the path to success? And if, if you're focused in those areas, generally, you're going to make the best decisions in the entire life cycle of that labor piece and or employees. All right. So John, last question for you. Yeah. Um, so much of what you've been saying in this conversation, you know, I keep thinking about how, you know, the sort of term I've, I've used a lot with folks, which is that you've, you've really added some muscle. Like this last year and a half, it feels like Del Taco leaned into the brand identity that already existed, but in many ways, just sort of beefed it up a little bit, just kind of got some new muscle in many ways you know, this, this was not a good season. You don't want to call it a good season, but in many ways really helped to refine the Del Taco brand. So last question for you is just curious, you know, of all of these maybe opportunities that have come up in the last year and a half for Del Taco, what's the, what's the opportunity that, you know, you think maybe you're most excited about or, or that opportunity that wasn't there pre-pandemic, but is there post-pandemic that you're really, you know, is getting you up in the morning? Yeah, I think growth is the number one thing I'm excited about right now. I mean, I you know, obviously there's so much into that question. I'm proud of our teams. I'm proud of our franchisees. I am so proud of, of how the business has been performing because of all, you know, of, of, of those folks. Um, but but the thing that's really exciting me right now is the prospects of scaling Del Taco nationally. And and you know, I look at some of the fundamental things we were able to do during the pandemic with building the Fresh Flex prototype watching our franchise same store sales accelerate in the back half of 2020 you know due to the programs and and the systems we've put in place really over the years to become a you know to become a really strong franchisor um, watching those franchisees achieve their eighth consecutive year of same store sales growth and many of those franchise groups are outside of the state of California so it's not in that home company market it's you know growth that's happening in places like the southeast and the midwest and you know, up in the, you know, up in the middle part of the country here. Um, so a lot of, a lot of great success stories there. I think the addition of the Fresh Flux prototype and how we're thinking about real estate with our menu of venues initiative um, really puts the brand in an exciting place. And, you know, we've announced some new signings this year, you know, with more signings to come. And it's just a really exciting time right now for the brand where all of these great parts and pieces from our QSR plus position Positioning, which I think is highly differentiated, it brings value and freshness under one roof to the way we operate. Um, you know, and, and we, we like to say that we are the largest franchisee and we operate that way. We are operating in an environment where we care as much about the bottom line as we care about the top line. And it creates really meaty, great conversations with our franchise owners. And I couldn't be more proud of that relationship that that fundamentally we've built here with our franchisees over the years. So, so that that's that's probably, you know, number, number one on, on the list, but there's definitely a, you know, a one B and a one C, you know, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of good things happening in the brand right now, but that's probably top of the list, Sam. That's a, that's a good position to be in when you have a yeah. lot of things to be excited about after everything we've been through. So John Capasola of Del Taco, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Good luck to you guys and everything you got going on. Thanks so much. Have a good one and stay safe, Sam.
That was my interview with John Capasola, the CEO of Del Taco. So what should you learn from this interview? Here are my five takeaways. First is that the pandemic demonstrated that restaurant companies must embed adaptability and nimbleness into their DNA. Of course, in the early days of the pandemic, it was much more essential to shake up your operations in a matter of days or even hours, and things aren't quite so volatile anymore. But as John pointed out in our conversation, staying nimble now is actually this incredible advantage for restaurant companies. And you know, they're not only dealing with evolving regulations and consumer demands, but also dealing with the pressures of keeping up in a competitive environment. The ability to innovate fast can be a key differentiator. My second takeaway is that in this ultra-digital environment that restaurant companies now find themselves in, loyalty programs are the next frontier for success. Del Taco just this month launched its Del Ya Rewards loyalty program. They offer four reward tiers based on a customer's order frequency. This has been a long time coming, John explained in our conversation, and it's the result of developing a robust customer relationship management platform that will help Del Taco gain incredibly valuable insights into its customers. The digital tools are readily available for restaurants to get into the loyalty game, and consumers are increasingly engaging with their favorite brands digitally. That means that the doors that a loyalty program can open are seemingly endless. My third takeaway is this. Developing a flexible store prototype of the future will prove to be a winning expansion strategy. Del Taco earlier this year introduced its Fresh Flex prototype, a store design that features third-party delivery pickup areas, double drive-through lanes, and dedicated parking spots for driving customers. And importantly, Del Taco has multiple build-out options with this Fresh Flex prototype, offering a range of footprints between 1,200 and 2,400 square feet to accommodate a variety of real estate opportunities. This flexible store model is helping fuel Del Taco's growth into new parts of the country. It, it can fit its, re, its stores into the real estate available in that particular trade area. So keeping flexible really opens up a lot of opportunities as it relates to expansion. That segues into my fourth takeaway, which is that an omni-channel service strategy is key to a convenient experience, particularly for QSRs. You've probably heard this term omni-channel a million times in the past 18 months. It's this idea that a restaurant now cannot commit solely to drive-through delivery or curbside. It's got to invest in all of the above. John said that hospitality in the QSR industry means that you want to give guests access the way that they want it, but in a way that the brand can deliver it well. And an omni-channel strategy is all about empowering your guests to experience your brand the way that they want to when they want to. My fifth and final takeaway is that restaurants should measure their customer satisfaction scores in all manners of the business. Having a comprehensive understanding of how your business is performing in the eyes of the guest will help you steer your, innova your innovation. And as John said, it will also help you drive customer frequency. This is much easier to do today as digital ordering platforms afford restaurants a more direct way to accessing that customer sentiment. If you learn from them what your weak points are and you work tirelessly to turn them into strengths, you can set your restaurant apart from your competitors. Those are all my takeaways for today. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Please remember to subscribe to Takeaway wherever you listen to podcasts and to leave your feedback. You can also email me at sam.okis at informa.com. Thanks again. Talk to you next week.